0: It's Friday, May 8th, 2020, and this is episode number 10. i going to give myself a small pat on the back. I'm a third of my way through my 30-episode goal, so I don't think I've stated it on here just yet. The goal was 30 episodes in a row, so 30 days, one episode per day, and the original goal was, like, as a, a daily stand-up kind of sorts, and it, it is, in effect, that, but it's a 30-minute daily stand-up, so, going to take about 30 minutes, you know, varies somewhere between 25 and 30 minutes, and talk about my current status in regards to where I'm at in my machine learning journey. So for those that don't know, I'm transitioning or trying to transition into uh, a position as a machine learning engineer. This journey began roughly a year and a half ago. Been a lot of ups, been a lot of downs, been a lot of successes, been a lot of failures. So as this journey, so as in life. That being said, let's take a look at what I did yesterday. So, I was able to gather data for May 6th and May 5th from Panacea Labs GitHub repo, or based on the tweet IDs from the repo. And then I was, uh, I added a priority column to the misinformation narrative list, um, the spreadsheet that I'm compiling. There does appear to be some updates that I need to make to that though. And this kind of highlights a highlights highlights the fact that there's a lot of um, questions that I have yet to answer. And it shows how misinformation is a very an ethically difficult problem to address (laughs) because when I've been researching these narratives, I've I need to avoid trying to be an arbiter of truth because I'm not objective. No human is objective. I need to with this tool, this misinformation tool, I need to be careful. and not take a stance because that's not what this tool is for. It is for helping people not get, for lack of a better word, manipulated by bad information. So I need to figure out how to address that. I need to figure out how to, a loophole of sorts to try to take my own thinking out of it. This is weird to think about. It's like a meta thing. I'm thinking about how I'm going to think about something and how I can avoid thinking in a particular way or being biased in a particular way. Hmm. There's some work to be done. And also it's in addition to the narratives, another when let's just say theoretically the those ethical qualms get answered in a perfect world. Let's say, well, that that then then it becomes what happens when new narratives arise. How am I going to stay updated? Because there's a lot of information way too much for one individual. Heck, I mean there's this is too much for major companies to deal with, right? Facebook and Twitter they're even struggling with this. But when you look at them I think the situation is a little different. I mean Twitter appears to be doing a better than Facebook and Google are when it comes to the disinformation on their platforms. But they all are still wrapped up in that system where revenue is driven by time on platform. The more time you spend on Facebook, for example, the more money they're going to get. So how do you get people to stay on a platform? You give them engaging content. Now engaging content doesn't have to be positive. Tristan Harris highlights this. So it's a, it's a race to the bottom of the brainstem, right? Engaging somebody often takes the form of hijacking their emotions. Hijacking an individual's emotions to feel a particular way, to incite a particular emotion. And still have yet to, it's an age-old question, right? is why why do negative experiences sit with us so much more readily than positive ones do why is it that we can get a thousand high fives just to keep it simple but we for we we don't forget or it's over those thousand high fives are overshadowed by a single person who sat there cross-armed at us and didn't give us a high five that negativity why is that negative why does negativity overshadow positivity why does it hijack us so much mentally cognitively interesting thing to think about and i don't have an answer for it i don't think there are many people out there that do and if you do let me know Today has been a little bit of a, a little different than usual because uh, I had a conversation with somebody from a company that I'm interested in. Conversation, I enjoyed it. He he was it was an interesting conversation and. I mean, didn't, nothing, I don't want to say nothing came out of it. I think it was productive and it was, it was cool to meet him. But at this point in time, uh, there is no, there isn't really any opportunity to, for an intern to, in a way it worked. I mean, I respect um, him being forthright and saying that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be productive for the parties involved right because being a smaller company and having no real senior I guess. No, no, uh, how do I put this? Let's just say that the environment wouldn't be ideal for an intern to be able to maximize their time there. And it wouldn't kind of in a a circular fashion, right? Because the, the intern wouldn't be able to maximize the company wouldn't be able to benefit or maximize the value either um so i respect that um he did say to keep in touch though and i I plan on following up you know in a month or so and seeing where things are at because i do really like the product that they put out i use it myself it's an interesting It's it's a very very interesting. Uh, it's NLP oriented. I'm trying to keep. And if you're wondering why I'm keeping it under wraps, I think that that it's it's better to keep it private, right? Um, I need a, I can talk about it, but I don't need to mention names, and I, I don't like really mentioning names either. Because in a sense, it's my private life. I can still talk about it publicly, but. I don't need to release the information, like specifics, but by and large, I, it was an enjoyable conversation. And one kind of takeaway that I found really, really interesting was he has his, uh, has his children every, or like as a family, they do like a morning, rite. Like 10 minutes to just, I didn't really get too many details, but kind of the assumption was that for 10 minutes as a family, they kind of, they just write. And it's to, to help the kids get better at writing, which is, I found was a really, really cool concept. And, um, you know, it's something I need to keep in the back of my mind for, well, one day when I when that, when I do have a family, which won't be probably for some time, but anyways, so it went well, and then I kind of went um, off the board a little bit. I didn't really... I focused and I started playing around with the project, my Sharpest Minds project. And I started playing around with Dask, which is a uh, library for Python. And what it does is um, it's parallel computing. So it allows... Uh, the ability to work with big data, essentially, right? And and I was trying to figure out how to load in the data with Dask um, because these Dask, uh, so backtrack, uh, JSON files I'm getting are from twerk, from loading my Twitter data it is three point five four gigs, right? And what I need to do, so why that matters is I need to have a, comp- a virtual machine that can deal with that. It's going to take a significant hit on compute and memory, right? So I want... This is, it's kind of a tidal wave effect or avalanche effect, right? So you need to make sure you have enough, but the more memory you allocate, the more expensive an instance is to run. And with this, I still haven't figured out a workaround for the rate limiting. And I don't know if that's going to be something I'm going to discover. Um, But... That being said, um, it still takes, you know, they update their data every two to three days, getting a day's worth of data from the process of hydrating to cleaning to final format, it takes probably three hours per day. So you're looking at best case scenario, six hours, worst case scenario, nine hours. And you need to keep it running the entire time. So it adds up. But that being said, I do think that I figured out um, a way for to have a devoted instance for it. It took me... Uh, I had to upgrade... I went from an n1 standard 2 so it had two virtual cpus and seven and a half gigabytes of memory i tried with the, the standard four which has four cpus and 15 gigs of memory then i had to use or i, I transitioned to high memory so an n1 high mem four um Because believe it or not, that was actually cheaper than upgrading to the next N1 standard with eight eight virtual CPUs. Um, So I decided to go there. So it's technically still four CPUs, but it has, I believe if I remember correctly, 25... Gigabytes of memory. And it worked. It loaded in the data. I had tested first on a JSON and I tested the cleaning operation. And it appeared to work. And now I've run the data download v2 script, which will which I it was kind of cool to see because it in a way this compute instance, or not in a way, this compute instance hadn't been updated in a few days. So it correctly did, it made the folders in the raw data file. Then it made the folders in the process data file or sub file. And loaded in the text files with the tweet IDs. And then now it is hydrating data for 4.21. And it's basing what data to hydrate on what's in my storage bucket. So the 21st of april is the day that i do so actually backtrack i do not have data for 23 days and it the days the first day was the th- march 22nd and then the most recent is april 21st so you're looking at close to i need to still gather um 23 JSONs. So <laughs> 23. Let's see. So 23, let's go times 3. Oh boy, this is going to take a while. So we're at 23 times 3. 69 hours. So oh one thing i need to address right now is actually the cloud function that turns off my instance because i have a feeling that because i have it on it's going to turn it off so i need to pause that pause that cloud function so i keep gathering data need to do that it's interesting how many things that there it's like Honestly, there's like, I haven't spent, I've spent no time in terms of like, I've spent zero time on machine learning. It's all been trying to deal with the data. I mean, it's been interesting in a way, and it's not something that I have to say. It's when you, it it depends on your perspective, right? So if you want to finish something, right? I mean, yeah, I get it. It kind of gets annoying. You want to get to the next step, but it's like, it's almost, it's like a quest, right? It's like a journey. It's like a story. There's parts of it. You don't want to skip any parts. Like if, if you were to start at a book and then read the first chapter, read the middle chapter and then read the final chapter, it's like that. You're not going to get a good idea. You might have like a high level idea of what the story is, but you're skipping out all the details, right? You're skipping out all the the interesting things that happened. So it's embracing one, the suck, right? It's embracing the fact that things are not going to be as easy as you think going in. So expect the unexpected, expect things to not work, expect you to have to change tactics halfway through or even restart again when you understand that you made a mistake way back at the beginning that makes your current path untenable. But I've enjoyed this it's been a good project so far it's definitely something that I I mean don't get me wrong I want to I want to see what a final product would look like and I'm excited for that but this is in a sense a labor of love I guess you could say I don't know if that's the right statement to use but It's embracing a day-to-day and understanding that you got to do the day-to-day to get to the that final goal, right? Because a lot more of your time is spent in the day-to-day details than it is on top of the mountain with your arm raised over your head, cheering at the top of your lungs because you accomplished something. Don't get me wrong, that's a feeling that should be it should be cherished, but I I beg to differ in that being able to put in that work and consistently put in work day to day, even if it's only baby steps someday, right, is more important than... getting to the top of the mountain. Because I always, I, I kind of imagine, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be the best. And I didn't even know what that meant. And, you know, when you get, as you grow up a little bit, you understand that We all each have a multitude of identities, right? So for some of us, we're fathers and businessmen or business owners or we're brothers, we're we're sisters, we're grandparents, we're nephews, we're uncles, aunts, I think I already said cousins. We're police officers, we're machine learning engineers, we're doctors, we're janitors, we're plumbers. We all have roles, we all have identities. We all these sub-identities make up who we are. Of course, but none of them is our complete identity. So it's like who we are as an individual isn't is a in a sense, it's the sum of the parts, right? So it's like who we are, who I am, for example, is, I mean, I label myself a machine learning engineer. Um, and I'm also a reader. I'm also a CrossFitter. I'm also... There's a lot of identities that we have and I think putting weight into anyone is detrimental in a sense that if that avenue or that facet of your life starts to crumble, then your identity, because it was a big part of your overall identity, your overall identity is gonna start to crumble. Anyways, so today I'm going to get back on task and see if I can't figure out um, what to do with the, that misinformation narrative. And I'm going to follow up with my mentor and ask him because he gave some comments and they made sense, And but I need to kind of clarify a few things. So he also sent over some stuff about Transformers and BERT and I believe OpenAI as well. They're GPT-2. Um, so I need to take a look at those. And we're right about 28 minutes, so I think that's my cue to end this. Happy Friday, everybody, if you listened this far. And until next time, Auf